Acts chapter 5 is my reading this morning. We're continuing the story. If you've been following it, I mean, I know last week we had a little bit of a break, but we're getting right back into the story of the following the disciples right as they're beginning their ministry. Remember, they were just following their routine. They see a man in need. God uses them to heal him. And then all of a sudden, people are against them. And they say, well, God, help us to do more. And God helps them to do more. And they're doing more. And guess what? People are still against them. And this time they said, we are going to put them in jail. Acts 5, verse 21 says, So at daybreak, the apostles entered the temple as they were told, and immediately began teaching. When the high priest and its officials arrived, they convened the high council, the full assembly of the elders of Israel. Then they sent for the apostles to be brought from jail, from the jail for trial. But when the temple guards went to the jail, the men were gone. So they returned to the council and reported, The jail was securely locked, with the guards standing outside. But when we opened the gates, no one was there. When the captain of the temple guard and the leading priest heard this, they were perplexed, wondering what, where would it all end. Then someone arrived with startling news. The men you put in jail, the men you were keeping silent, the men you were messing with, the men you were hurting, the men you were after, the men that you thought you had control over, the men that you were looking at and looking at them as ants and said, we can, we can take care of you. Those men are now standing in the temple and they're teaching the people. Oh, what a statement to be made. I don't think that individual knew that his words would bring impact to my life, and I pray would bring impact to your life today. The people that you were trying to hurt, they're actually ministering. They're actually doing something for the Lord. I can tell you today that the work of the Lord will not be stopped. It won't be stifled. It won't be hindered. Our God is going to prevail. He will be victorious. And please allow me this morning to be excited about it, to be encouraged by it, to be uplifting this morning. I just know our God will never fail. I will see a victory. And you know what, Rachel, when you were singing that song, this is what I know. Because I know sometimes, and I've been, we've kind of talked about this in the past couple of weeks, when we say, I'm going to see a victory, sometimes we tell God what it is already, right? Okay, God, this is what I'm going to see. And I hope, I've, I, as I've shared my life and as you've read the Bible, sometimes you just have to say, God, I, I don't know what that victory is going to look like or what it's going to be, but I am going to see it. I am going to know it. I'm going to feel it. And I can tell you this, that Jesus is the victory. Jesus, he's the victory. I pray that's what you want more than anything. More than anything, you want that. You want the Lord Jesus Christ in your life. And when you want him, you will see him. And so you can declare, I'm going to see a victory. I'm going to see Jesus. The work of the Lord will not be stopped. It won't be stifled. They tried, they tried stifling them. They tried putting them in jail. But God had his way. In that statement, we, we, what I see there are two aspects of life that we all face. We all face this. We all face what people do to us, but we can also face what God is doing through us. The, the disciples, they were facing what people had done to them. What did they do to them? They put them in jail. 
They were facing that heartache and that hardship of being put in jail. But then they experienced what God was doing through them. And God decided in that instant to send an angel, and that angel released them from jail and said, now you go and preach. And that's what they did. Now, I don't know this morning, it's, it's sometimes not fun to think about these things, but we have to think about them. Number one, to give God praise, but to think about what, what God has brought us to. And just like these disciples at this time in our life, I believe every one of us can say, you know what, I've been there before. People have done some bad things to me. People have tried to hurt me. People have not always been nice to me. And even as a pastor, believe it or not, people haven't always been nice to me. I remember as a kid, and this was obviously before I was a pastor, I can still vividly remember being bullied as a kid in junior high, being on the bus. I remember one student decided to push me away. And I remember that feeling, you know, a feeling of, of just shame, weakness, turmoil, like, you know, fear. And I wasn't one to share my life with my family because, you know, a little side note to my life, my family loved to tease me. I was the youngest in my family, so they used to tease me a lot as a little kid, and Hoslet can attest to it. He, he has funny stories he can share with you about us growing up as kids and how my mom wasn't afraid to, to tease me or call me out in front of people or any of those things. So I really got quiet as a little kid, but that day, I was so traumatized by being bullied. I remember sitting at the kitchen table, I can still vividly see myself there, and starting to tell my dad in just tears, just coming down my face. I've been bullied before. I've been pushed around. I've been overlooked before. I've been called names. I've been accused of things. I've been looked down upon. I've been there before. I've cried tears over two miscarriages. I've cried over my home being burglarized. I, life has not always been a walk in the park. And you can do the same this morning. You can start thinking about those difficult moments in your life when life is, was hurting you, when people were hurting you, when you were looking at life and saying, it's not worth it, I'm ready to throw in the towel. I can tell you, I've been many days in, in my office, this office, my office in, in Chicago, and my office for over 20 years in Utah, I remember being in those offices, and I could tell you days without number of sitting there and saying, God, I don't know what I'm doing. Of feeling inadequate. Feeling like I don't have what it takes. I've been there before where, you know, life starts hitting you and you make bad decisions. I don't always make the greatest decisions. Guaranteed. I will not always make the greatest decisions, and sometimes you feel the pain of that. And being in those moments of feeling this desperate, of saying, God, I, I want to quit. I want to throw in the towel. Maybe this ministry would do better if I wasn't here. And you've been there before. And if you've never experienced those things in your life, then thank God you've never experienced trauma like that. Thank God if you've never been bullied before, thank the Lord. If you've never had to suffer before, thank God. But I have a feeling that many of you would say, you know what? This is what happened to me. This is what they did to me. This is what I've gone through. This is what I've been through. But this is what I know. 
And this is what I've experienced in life today. As I share with you in just a moment, Rachel's going to share with you. She has every reason to not be here today. She had every reason never to play the keyboard. She had every reason to point her finger at God and say, God, I'm done worshiping you. But there's something she's experienced. And there's something that I've experienced through my traumas of life. We've experienced the presence of God. We've experienced the hope in our hopeless situation. We've experienced the comfort of God when I was bullied, when I was pushed down, and I called out to God. He was my help. He was the shepherd that I shall not want. He's watched over me. He has comforted me. He has blessed me. He has helped me. When others have pushed me down, he has lifted me up. When when life has knocked me down, he says, I'm still with you. I'm still going to fight with you. I love this story. I remember... um, when I first got into my first full-time ministry position in, um, in Utah as a youth pastor, first full-time position, I'd gone out to volunteer, and then I, and then I was working part-time as a junior high pastor, and then I was able to serve full-time as a youth pastor. Now, uh, so today, if you were to walk up to me, you will see white hair. I've been looking forward to the day of getting white hair. Tara says I'm going to die. I told her that I'm not dying my hair because I've been looking forward to finally getting white hair and looking older because I've never looked older. I tried the mustache, and that didn't work at all. It's a bad thing. Don't encourage it. And Tara will say amen to that. Uh, facial hair, it's like, well, if I get facial hair, maybe I'll look older. Tried it, didn't work, made it worse. So when I was a youth pastor, they thought I was the youth. Like, I was like one of the kids. Like, you're the youth look like you should be a part of a youth ministry. So this ministry that I, so when I took over this ministry, one of the things that they were doing was going into public schools. They had a whole team and they would do assemblies and it was powerful. So when I came in, I'm like, well, I better keep this thing going. And I remember I was going to school after school, after principal's office, after principal's office, after vice principal's office. And you know what they were telling me? We don't need that here. No. And in the back of my mind, I'm thinking, they probably think, what's this kid going to tell my, why am I going to give this kid my 500 students in an assembly? How is that kid going to ever entertain them? There's no way, you know, even if, because I was telling them, hey, we got an anti-drug message. we got an anti-gang message. We want to encourage students to live their dreams. And it was like, no, we don't have those issues here. We don't have those problems here. I remember going back, and that was one of the times where I went back to my office, and I was like, God, you know, I'm going to, this is not going to work out. I'm going to have to tell my lead pastor that this was an awesome ministry, but I've tried and tried. Everybody has said no, but you know what? I experienced God in that moment. I prayed, and I didn't get mad at God, and yes, I got, had some moments of feeling inadequate, but I said, no, I'm going to pray, and I left it in God's hands. And about three weeks after that, I get a phone call from my first high school. Who's high? How many of you ever seen the uh, Disney musical? I forget what the high school musical is that what it's called. That was filmed at East High in Salt Lake City, Utah. Anyways, East High calls me. Says, "Hey, we heard about your program from years past. Would you come and do an assignment?" Yes, I'll come. And from that day forward, for the next twelve years, I never had to call. I never had to go to a principal's office to ask. And after that, referral, after referral, after referral, after referral. 
And I want you to know something today. There is no way am I taking credit for that. In no way am I patting myself on the back. But with all of my heart and all of my strength, I'm giving God all the praise because the things that I couldn't do, He has done for me. Those things that would have put me in prison, a prison of fear, a prison of doubt, I surely would have easily said, you know what? I just, I'm not the guy. I, I thank you for giving me the opportunity because I can't do this. But I didn't do that. I said, Lord, I guess I don't know what to do, so I leave it in your hands. And when I left it in God's hands, he performed the miracle. He worked it out for me. I can tell you today, there, that kid that was pushing me around, he could walk in this room and say, hey, I remember pushing that kid around. And now look at him. He's sharing the gospel. He's preaching. He's standing up. He should have been, he should have been prisoned and prisoned with shyness. And, uh, you know, why would you want to say anything? You've been bullied all your life. I was, I was 99 pounds when I joined the football team at George Washington. And my coach finally put me in in the last game, I think in the last quarter of the last game, because I was a 99 pounds soaking wet. I was just, you know, nothing to behold, nothing. But I put my life in God's hands. I let God be my worker. I let God use me however he wants. I want to tell you and encourage you today, let God work in your life. Let God have the final say. When bad things have been done to you, when life hasn't treated you right, when you've lost something, when something's been taken from you, you can still declare, I'm going to see a miracle because the power belongs to the Lord. That was the attitude of the disciples. They weren't worried about being told not to preach. They weren't worried about what man was doing to them because they knew that God was working in them. They knew God was for them and not against them. And this morning, I, I knew, and I, I wanted to kind of end my sermon short because in preparing this message and thinking about the past, I knew that there was a story that you needed to hear about somebody who said, you know what, you could look at them and say, they shouldn't be up there singing. Somebody should be running in and saying, look, and I believe in the echoes of the darkness and the, the kingdom of darkness, they're in the hall saying, I thought we had Brandon and Nikki. I thought we had discouraged them. But look, they're still worshiping. Look, they're still spreading the gospel. Look, they're still standing in the temple. They have done something. They, they, have, they were an encouragement. If you recall, we prayed for them this past year. So, Rachel, I want you to come. I want you to share what God has done for you and how you can be standing in the kingdom of God. You know, many of you might remember praying for us back in March. Um, but before I share the March story, I just want to share another testimony in our lives. Um, uh, in 2016, uh, we were um, pregnant with our second daughter, so our younger daughter, her name's Jory. And uh, I was having some sickness, difficulty breathing, that kind of stuff. And I went to the doctor, and they actually found a tumor on my left lung, quite a large tumor. And I was about 12 weeks pregnant, and I had major surgery to remove that lung, the whole lung, and the tumor and, and all of that. And so um, after several surgeries, I had about four different procedures, um, but God completely healed me, completely cancer-free. I didn't have to do chemo or anything, and obviously, you know, after service, when you see Jory running around, she's completely healthy. Um, and the beautiful thing about it is, is I can actually breathe better 
pain that came before, um, because God just, he really just did a work in getting rid of all of that in my life. So uh, that was, you know, a huge, it's a huge part of our story and our testimony. And uh, I know Calvary was involved in also praying for us then as well. Um, but this, this, uh, this year we also faced something pretty challenging, pretty scary. Um, in March of this year, uh, I was seven weeks pregnant and we were, you know, excited for that, planning for that, looking at what that looks like. And uh, one morning I just was in a lot of pain and so we kind of rushed to our hospital. We're very thankful that we were only five minutes from our hospital in Bangkok um, because Bangkok traffic can take all day to get anywhere. And so we were in the car, dropped the girls off with a friend, and went uh, to the doctor. And we just, I think we both knew something's wrong. I was very thankful that I have a husband that knows how to speak up in medical situations because I'm a little more reserved. And he said, we need this, we need this. And so the doctors kind of took a little bit to figure out what was going on. But I had a uh, ectopic pregnancy, which we didn't know, um, and it had ruptured. And if anyone's ever experienced that, it's incredibly painful. Um, and you don't really know exactly what's going on. You just know something's not right. And so um, I remember being in the ultrasound room, and they just kind of, and it's, I'm very thankful for the Thai medical care system. It's very good, you know, very good quality. Many study with American doctors, Western doctors. But there is still that language barrier, and they're very abrupt and very, like, direct in English because they just have that limited. And so usually all we get is, oh, it's bad. <laughs> like, what does that mean? Like, explain a little bit. And so um, I remember the doctor just kind of doing a quick ultrasound, and she said, um, this is an emergency. And just at that moment, maybe 10 people just all around us and just kind of whisked me away. And um, honestly, I can say I was more worried about pain management at that point than I was anything else. I, I had peace about other things. I just needed medicine. It was really painful. And so um, thankfully, like I said, we had you know, a good network of missionaries around us in Bangkok, and so they were able to pray with us and um, had surgery, and everything went well with the surgery. Um, I needed quite a bit of blood. It was probably, you know, just maybe 30 minutes or so away from being a lot worse of an outcome than it was, and so we were thankful to be that close to the hospital and that close to, you know, really quality doctors, and so had surgery and was able to recover from that very quickly, actually. Um, honestly, once I was out of surgery and out of pain, I just felt a lot of relief. And, um, you know, obviously processing miscarriage and loss is always a challenge. Um, but we, we met with my doctor, and she said, you know, everything looks good. You know, I, I encourage you to wait two months if you want to try to have another baby. And so exactly two months later, we found out we were pregnant with this baby, who's very healthy and very normal. And so we're, we're very, very, very grateful and very blessed. And so, um, but I know Calvary and many of our churches in, in the States were praying with us and um, just praying us through that process. And, you know, I can say in, in full certainty and in full faith in that situation and in, in that cancer situation several years ago, that we really feel those prayers. Um, sometimes there's, you know, just this, oh, I'm praying for you. Um, or just this idea that maybe, you know, do people really feel that when I pray for them? But through the power of the Holy Spirit, we feel those prayers. And so when, when people reach out to us and say, hey, we're praying for you, or, you know, hey, we're thinking about you, that, that means so much to us in our ministry and feeling so far away sometimes. Because we really are. We're the, as far away as you could possibly get. If we moved further, 
but we'd be closer to the U.S. So we're as far away as we could get, you know, in Thailand. And so hearing about those prayers and those churches that are believing in us and praying for us, it really, really does make a difference. And, and I know that as we've gone through those seasons of, of really just discouragement and health issues and challenges, you feel God's peace with us, even in the hospital. You know, both back in 2016 and this past time in March, you know, Brandon and I had like a movie night in the hospital. <laughs> like, I was starting to feel better, and there was a movie on TV that was in English, praise God. And so we put the movie on, and we got snacks, and it, it's little things like that, but you feel God's peace with you because you know that, you know, my, my joy and my hope and my security is not in this earthly situation. Um, and so we, can, we really feel those. So if you're going through something like that, um, I would just encourage you to really, you know, what Pastor Sid said about Jesus being the answer and being the victory isn't just something we say as Christians, but it really is the truth, and it really is that anchor that can carry you through those situations. So, again, thank you from the bottom of our hearts for your prayers in that season. So, and again, just praising God and glorifying God as we walk through this new season, and God has blessed us with a little boy that we've been praying very fervently for for many years. So, thank you so much. stand with me this morning. Rachel's going to lead us in another song. I would share it again, just that main thought that there have been things that have been done to you. People have hurt you. Life has hurt you. Maybe not this past week. Maybe it was a month ago. Maybe it was 10 years ago. Maybe something's going to hurt you this week. But this is what my prayer is, that you will allow God to work in you. Let God's presence fill you. Let whatever whatever the enemy is trying to use to silence you, let that be used to open your voice. This morning, I, I knew when Rachel came in, and I hadn't heard her lead worship. And... Um, Just lyrics. These aren't just keys being touched by a skilled individual. These are. This is a believer in Christ who's been through hell and high water and is still worshiping our Lord. And I knew it. In my office, I could hear that. I just want God's presence to fill your life today. Let Him touch you today. Maybe every, maybe nobody has hurt you in the past month and you're doing great. Praise God for that. Then you should be the first to enter his presence. Say, thank you, God. Thank you for your protection. Thank you for your goodness. Thank you for your mercy. If you've been hurt today, if you've been hurt this past week, if you've gone through a difficulty, if stuff that's gone on in your life you've never let God deal with, let God touch your heart today. Lord, work in a mighty way. As Rachel leads us in this last song, Touch our hearts, touch our lives. We ask it, Lord, minister to us from the